Welcome to the latest edition of our Fixed Interests podcast series. My name is Michele Napolitano and I am the head of the Western European Sovereign Team at Fitch Ratings. I'm joined today by Gosia Glovacka, Associate Director in the Western Europe Sovereign Team and lead author of a recent report on Ireland's economic and public finance performance since the COVID-19 pandemic started. Gosia, let me start with a direct question. In your report, you explain that Fitch has recently doubled its 2021 growth forecast for Ireland, which seems quite remarkable. Can you explain what has driven the forecast revision? Yeah, thanks, Michele, for this question. So, indeed, based on the activity that we observed during the first half a year, uh, we decided to upgrade our real GDP growth forecast to a remarkable 15% from previously 7%, which was very high to begin with. What's important to, to add here is that the Irish economy as a whole did not experience a recession in 2020. And during those two years of the pandemic, we actually expected to be around 20% larger in real terms, which is the best performance in the Fitch-rated universe during that time frame. But you asked me about the growth drivers, and obviously part of the story is the recovery of the domestic economy from, uh, from the pandemic. But the other reason was the very strong expansion of the foreign multinational sector that is very prominent in Ireland. And here particularly, two sectors were important, that was the pharmaceuticals and, and the IT sector. What's interesting to, to add here is that a lot of this growth came from something that is called contract manufacturing. Uh, so that happens when a company that is headquartered in Ireland produces a product in country A and exports this product to country B. So although the product has never crossed Irish borders, it actually counts towards the Irish exports. So despite the sharp forecast revision, the rating has remained unchanged at single A+. Can you tell us why? I believe the reason why we didn't upgrade or we didn't assign a positive outlook yet is, is really twofold. First of all, as I already mentioned in the first question, a lot of this growth can be attributed to the foreign multinational companies. And as it was also mentioned, much of this activity actually happens outside of Ireland and it's attributed to the Irish economy only because of the companies are headquartered in Ireland. So, so that brings a lot of distortions to the real GDP statistics. Because this distortion is quite large, we, we actually use alternative measures to track the performance of the domestic economy. Those would be, for example, the, the gross national income or modified domestic demand. And looking at those measures, um, we see that the Irish economy or the domestic part of the Irish economy performed more in line with the regional peers. So that means that the economy contracted by 5% last year and, and we expect a, a rebound of a similar magnitude this year. So again, that was more in line with the, with the European peers, and it's substantially different uh, than what we observe when we look at the GDP growth. And in fact, given that it's so different, we saw that this gap between the GDP and alternative measures really widened during the pandemic. So the second reason why we hold off with, with any positive rating actions for now is the fact that the Irish economy is still pretty heavily reliant on government support. So this is true, especially for the for the labor market, uh, where we see around 10% of the labor force still supported by the wage subsidy scheme. So this is much higher than what we observe for the other European peers, but, but also much higher what we would expect at this stage of the pandemic. Now, we think that those schemes are important to maintain employment throughout the pandemic, but unless they're lifted, it is difficult for us to, to assess the ultimate impact of the pandemic on the economy. 
In your answer, you have mentioned the widening gap between gross domestic product and gross national income. Can you explain this a bit more in detail for us? Of course. So as I mentioned before, the accounting of the contra manufacturing creates a lot of distortions to, to the Irish GDP. In the past, those, those activities would be offset by imports relating to intellectual property, as Irish companies would make payments to the other groups abroad for the use of their intellectual property products. However, much of these intellectual property products are now located in Ireland because of the tax optimization strategies of the foreign companies. And that means that this offsetting does not occur anymore, and the full effect of the contra manufacturing is actually attributed to the Irish GDP. Now, the contra manufacturing is not the only one cause for those distortions. The other types are, for example, retained earnings of the redomiciled companies or aircraft leasing. But it's important to understand that all of those effects have to do with the tax optimization strategies of the foreign multinationals. So these flows are explaining the difference between the GDP and the GNI for the Irish economy. And as you mentioned in your question, this gap is constantly increasing. A decade ago, those flows would account for around 25% of the Irish GDP, but now it is actually around 45%. Is Ireland the only country affected by this widening gap between gross domestic product and gross national income? So in the European space, Ireland is actually the only one where we see such a substantial gap between the GDP and GNI. However, we recently observed very large inflows of intellectual property into the Estonian economy as well. Uh, these are actually investments of the Volkswagen Group into a subsidiary that will be responsible for the creation and also for the maintenance of the vehicle software for the entire group. Since the creation of the Estonian branch in late 2020, Volkswagen moved around one and a half billion worth intellectual property products into Estonia, uh, which is mostly computer software. And that roughly corresponds to 5.5% of Estonian GDP. Now, those transactions did not affect the Estonian GDP yet because the investment component was offset by the increased imports. However, we expect Estonian GDP will experience additional growth once the company starts charging royalties for the use of the intellectual property. And that should also open the gap between the GDP and GNI. Can you give us a few more details on how can the Irish economy be impacted by the global corporate tax agreement? Sure. So given the dependence of the Irish economy on the foreign multinational companies for both employment and tax revenue, we believe that Ireland is one of the most exposed sovereigns to the upcoming changes in the international tax regime. One of the biggest changes under the new regime that we expect will be introducing a minimum effective corporate tax rate at the level of 15%. Um, so that compares to the current 12.5% nominal rate applied to the Irish companies. And what's important here to highlight is not the difference in levels, but the difference between effective versus nominal rate. So as I mentioned before, many foreign companies use aggressive tax planning strategies by shifting the assets to Ireland. This is likely that those strategies will no longer be available, which should decrease the incentive to shift those assets to Ireland. And that could have a negative impact on the GDP and the tax revenues. So it could be the case that Ireland will lose some of its competitiveness and experience lower foreign direct investment flows. But at the current stage, it is still premature to judge how those things will play out. And this is because at the current stage, the political agreement has been reached, but many important details still need to be determined. And one of the most important questions for Ireland will be how the effective tax rate will be calculated, and in particular, how the tax base will be determined. So looking forward, what are the factors that can lead 
tourating change for Ireland? Sure, that, that's a very good question. So we currently have Ireland on a, on a stable outlook, which basically reflects the, the resilience of the economy to the pandemic, but also takes into consideration some of the risks, such as um, emergence of new COVID variants or the impact of the corporate tax reform. As I mentioned previously, one of the risks is that the changes to the corporate tax regime will impact the Irish GDP, which is currently unnaturally inflated by the activity of the foreign multinational companies. So what's important to highlight here is that we already incorporate those risks into our assessment by applying two notches downward adjustments to our sovereign rating model for Ireland. Those two notches basically correspond to the difference in the model outputs based on the GDP and the alternative measures such as GNI that I mentioned earlier. It's fair to say that we are already quite conservative. Okay, so that said, the reform could also impact Ireland's revenues and the foreign direct investment. That's why the degree of resilience to the global tax reform will be an important factor in the future rating discussions. Obviously, increased confidence that Ireland's strong growth and, and revenue generation will continue after the reform is implemented could definitely lead to a positive rating action. So another important factor will be the path of the recovery of the domestic economy and also the degree of scarring caused by the pandemic. Thanks for those insights, Gosia. And thank you for listening to you all. You can access the report we've been discussing, titled Ireland's Exceptional Economic Performance Places Debt to GDP on a Firm Downward Path, along with our Sovereign in Economics research on Fitch website. We hope you join us for the next edition of Fixed Interests.